Welcome to Friday, Andy Hoare. Friday 15, everybody. We're back. That was like a radio show, then. <laughs> I know. Spit in the heads. <laughs> well, welcome, everyone, to uh, Friday 15, live here on LinkedIn Live and other places around the globe. Uh, my name is Brian Beck. Um, and I'm joined today by Andy Hoare. As usual, we take 15 minutes every Friday to talk about key issues in B2B e-commerce. Uh, those of you who don't know Andy, Vice President of uh, Ecom B2B at uh, Forrester Research, long career at Silicon Valley, CEO of Paradigm B2B. Andy, great to be here with you uh, on, on this uh, show this morning. Yeah, no, this is, this is great. I'm back from St. Louis, back in the home studio, but I did bring a cold back. I don't know how that happened, so... I'm battling through that. So if I sound sort of odd or very white-like, you'll know why. So for those who don't know Brian, 20-year uh, industry veteran, um, he ran uh, e-commerce at two companies, one on the B2C side, one on the B2B side, PacSun on the B2C side, Harbor Freight Tools on the B2B side, also author of a book called Billion Dollar B2B E-commerce. Do you have that book handy, Brian? I always have the book handy. Yeah, I figured yeah, you did. It, it, it is. 400 pages of goodness. <laughs> Do you, read, do you read it to your family at dinner? Is that, I heard you did. Is that right? Prepaid for my son. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, yeah. Great to be here today. We're going to talk about vertical marketplaces. But before we do that, yes, we have we some interesting talk about news. Our cartoon images, and then oh, we're going oh, to get into yeah, the yeah. news. Let's talk about our cartoon images. Uh, that's <laughs> absolutely critical. Uh, so here we are. Look at those cool images. <laughs> Does that actually look like me? I don't know. In a funny way, I like have a blue shirt on and you have kind of like a gray shirt on and they sort of match. It works. It works. Anyway, kind yeah. of fun. Thank you uh, to Yasmin for putting those together. She did a great job. Thank you, Yasmin. Anyway, um, so that was uh, that's us. But Andy, did you, uh, you know, just a quick, you know, bit on the news. I don't know if you saw, but uh, this week Amazon announced that they are now using uh, supply chain solutions, extending their there are considerable infrastructure to B2B companies, uh, to companies of all types, but it moves beyond just sort of FBA or fulfilled by Amazon shipping. This goes to our conversation last week about Amazon um, and Amazon business. They are now extending it out all the way to back to uh, companies that are producing products like, for example, in China. They're actually allowing now companies to use their services, uh, their infrastructure, their, their enormous and world-class fulfillment infrastructure for orders on their own um, their own websites, but even more so in the whole supply chain. It's fascinating what they're doing, Andy. Um, I saw the story of just broke this week. They call it Supply Chain uh, Solutions. Um, and uh, it's it, and this, is a, this is a game changer. And they're doing the same thing here, Andy, they did with AWS, where they extended their, their technology infrastructure to all these folks. What do you think this does for B2B? Classic Amazon, they built something for themselves to, and there's a parallel here to the vertical marketplaces idea in that they're creating um, uh, more efficiency in the market. So basically they run into a problem, which is that the fulfillment infrastructure isn't up to snuff. They build out their version of it for themselves. Right. It's so successful that they then expand it to other people and build a business out of it. Your example of uh, AWS is 100% accurate. I mean, that was an internal system they built and then they turned it out and now it's the profit driver for the whole company. It is arguable that this logistics infrastructure that Amazon possesses because they got the trucks, they got everything. Airplanes. would be a tremendous game changer. So I said a couple of years ago, if this continues, not for all B2B companies, but for certainly the ones that are not really large or very boutique -y, 
I think it's going to squeeze them because companies are going to, I mean, buyers are going to go to Amazon and search using the, the search engine, find what they want. And then on the back end, it could be fulfilled by Amazon or the supply chain solutions thing, which is going to leave the companies that are listed in the marketplace as fulfilling the sale as doing nothing other than just putting their name next to it. Right. And it's like, it's going to squeeze them to the point where, you know, at first one quick thing for sure, it's already commoditizing the companies right now. Granger is next to PJ solutions and nobody can tell the difference except Granger's, right. you know, orders of magnitude larger and Granger's not in Amazon. Uh, but, you get the point that it's going to squeeze these guys to the point where it's going to be Amazon on the front end, Amazon on the back end. Well, so what's interesting to me, Andy, is it, it's Excel. I think it's will continue to accelerate what's already happening, which is manufacturers, B2B manufacturers, consumer products, manufacturers, getting closer to that, to the end of the whole, you know, the whole value chain. Think about it, right? I mean, this is where, why do you, one of the key things I see with manufacturers uh, and brands is that they don't have the fulfillment infrastructure to effectively get closer to that end customer. Um, this is a way for them to do so. It's going to further accelerate that. And, you know, when you talk about squeeze, I think the squeeze is not necessarily the, the manufacturer. I think it's more in the middle. It's more the, uh, you know, the distribution, the retail, the kind of traditional resellers. That that's Yeah, but do you want to be a manufacturer that now has your largest channel being Amazon? Well, or that's the thing, though. Do you want your traditional distribution channel to be a player here? Well, I think you need to, but at the end of the day, it's also not, it's not about Amazon. That's the interesting thing about this. It's not just Amazon selling. It's Amazon now facilitating like they do with AWS, other types of commerce. It can happen in other places. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see though, Andy. And I know we got to, we got to get to our other topic here, um, which is marketplaces. We're staying on theme, right, Andy? And, and we've got some, some cool stuff to talk about. Our question today Will most B2B industries be disrupted by vertical marketplaces? Uh, this is a fascinating topic. And I, you know, I keep hearing, I, I'm getting calls now from manufacturers asking about you know, marketplaces. It goes beyond Amazon. It's, of course, Amazon, but it's even beyond that. Should I start my own? And then distributors, of course, um, you know, have been experimenting with this as well. Uh, I know you have some data uh, that, that to share here. Why don't we dive in on that and share a couple things and talk about it as we go through? Yeah, let's just talk about what, so we're talking specifically about vertical marketplaces. Arguably, Amazon is a horizontal marketplace sure. and that it has coverage across multiple product categories, whereas a vertical marketplace is one product category, so to speak, and a deep dive into it. So let's just take a look at, uh, Yeah. so I think you put this together at one point. It's a nice illustration of where vertical marketplaces yeah. fit in. So the X and the Y axis, one is about the breadth of the assortment. The other one's about the level, level of seller competition. On the low end, you have controlled or closed marketplaces like Hewitt Packard or Honeywell. And on the high end, you know, there's a lot of breadth and a lot of seller competition. You've got these horizontal marketplaces like Amazon Business and Alibaba. Right. These vertical specific ones are kind of closer to that latter group than the former group where there's more assortment, more seller competition, but they are specific to a category. And what's interesting about that is, you know, you got example here of a company called Source Engine. We talked about this guys several months ago. They have a billion parts, a billion. <laughs> That's crazy. And the last time I looked at them, it was a half a billion. So they've doubled in size. Okay. And so they target professional buyers and engineers. Great example of where they've gone after a market where there's inefficiency there. Where are you going to buy these things from a group of distributors? 
-hmm. from Amazon. Where are you going to get this stuff? So somebody came up with this idea. Why don't we just put them all together and make it all searchable? And so, of course, they don't hold the inventory, which is smart. Mm -hmm. uh, they just kind of comprise the front end, right? And right. by the way, based on what you said a few moments ago, they might even be using Amazon the back end. Right. Maybe. But, right. but yeah. here's how it works, right? So you look for fiber optic switches. Uh, I don't know if it's easy to see this or not, but it gives you a list of all the different examples here. This is a TE connectivity one. It gives you the price range right. depending on who you select. Mm -hmm. uh, again, the nice thing about this is you got a lot of different options. Uh, and then, you know, you just can bring up which one you want to select from. In the second green box there says, uh, I think it says what authorized distributor or... Um, yeah, so essentially what you've got here is what option would you like? You can choose based on the price, the time to delivery, uh, the ratings of the distributor. Again, not, not something new here. We've seen this in horizontal marketplaces, but this is a vertical specific right. marketplace. Right. right. And, uh, you know, there are just tons of these companies popping up. Again, they've found inefficiencies. And, you know, I want to pause here for a moment and talk about why I think these vertical marketplaces are making a big difference. And it's because for the most part, buyers have use cases. I was thinking about this the other day. So how many different applications of a wrench are there, right? You can buy a wrench to do literally a billion or a trillion different things. So right. you can buy that wrench on Amazon. You can buy that wrench in a physical store. You can buy that at Granger. You can buy that anywhere, right? But what about if that wrench is used for a very specific purpose and it requires other tools around it? That's where we start getting into vertical applications right. and hence vertical marketplaces. So you can see some of the GMV here. I mean, equipment share is a billion three. This is from two years ago, by the way. So right. it's increased even more since then. And we're going to talk about a company called Fair, which is uh, mm -hmm. from the bottom here, which is doing 150 million, doing more than that now. Yeah. Yep. So yep. we're seeing more GMV. And then these companies are getting funded because they've got decent business models. The question is, how far can they take this? But look at some of these numbers, Brian. I mean, right. Right. ShiftMed, which is a, uh, a marketplace for finding uh, travel nurses and mm -hmm. specialty nurses, $200 million yeah. in funding. I mean, look at how many different... And the thing that strikes me is look at the industry column. How mm -hmm. many different industries there are here and some of these are smaller investments some are larger investments but boy there's a whole lot of inefficiency out there if these guys can get 200 million dollars how were people doing this before right what's interesting to me about this list too andy is a lot of these are ser more services fine you know or logistics i mean looking at this i think and this gets to the disruption question right are most b2b industries susceptible to disruption and i think as we think about, you know, those those inefficiencies, the complexities of the buying and selling process and what needs to be added to those use cases, I think the question is, is going to come down to the industry specific, um, you know, need of the buyer, whether or not it is, in fact, going to be disrupted. Where I mean, I mean, just looking at and, and we'll talk about fair in a moment, because that's a, you know, it's a product based industry. To me, a lot of these things, like if you look at you know, the, like the transportation, like um, what's the name of it? The company that was bought, Deliver, that was bought by Shopify last year, and <laughs> trillion dollars or whatever. And that was a logistics, you know, services, uh, you know, marketplace that in effect. Um, and, and so, and if you look at, you know, ShiftMed, that's a services 
right? I mean, these are these are nursing services. So my 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 question really is, um, as we think about the likelihood of disruption for different B two B category product categories, which is our universe, right? Mainly, what what do you think some of those industries that are? Do you agree with me? I mean, some some of these some of these categories may never be disrupted because the marketplace model doesn't work very well. We're in, as in others, perhaps, you know, more commoditized products. I think about fasteners um, and, and categories with the, there's a lot of commodity and, and it, the choice isn't, a, it doesn't require an enormous amount of expertise. Are those the ones that are perhaps most ripe for disruption? What do you think? I think they are, but, you know, I'm a believer that the days of products are coming to an end. And then mm -hmm. everything is essentially a service. Interesting. And a product is essentially just a service in the form of a product because right. I think there are companies like Hilti are a good example of this. So I don't know if you know Hilti, but Hilti, yeah, sure. yeah you know, from Harbor Freight Pools, right? So right. Hilti will sell you, uh, you know, chainsaw, for example, or a drill. And if that drill stops working, they give you a new one. They don't right. charge you for it. You have a subscription. So basically it makes the point that I'm not buying uh, a drill. I'm buying the service of a drill. And uh, I think we're seeing now a transition toward that. So if you're just in the drill selling business, obviously there's always going to be a market for that. But if it's really a service, then you got to think completely differently about this. And to your point about the, we see on the screen, here, a lot of these are just pure services, which actually means there's no fulfillment dimension to it. I mean, you're moving something. Yeah. That, and that to me is one of the biggest challenges of this model. When you think about distributors and you know, the value that they, that they bring, you know, this is a different business than distributors have been in, than manufacturers have been in historically, which is why I think the vertical, you know, companies that try to start these on their own traditional companies have a hard time because it's a total, I mean, you got to think, think about you're replicating in some ways, Amazon in an industry, right? And think about all the complexity. Why does Amazon have so many rules around, you know, seller compliance and fulfillment times and FBA service, which allows for, like we talked about, delivery of the product? They're they're saying, hey, let us handle it, and and, and it's going to go better, and it does typically when they handle the fulfillment. You've got seller compliance, so not only do you have to generate the demand, like like the distributor or manufacturer does, to your to your e-commerce site, so you get to drive traffic to it. And you have to have a great online experience that gets the conversion. But then you also have to rely on fulfillment from other people. So you think about all those, you know, tens of thousands, potentially, or millions of sellers on your platform. And you're now relying your customer experience, customers buying from the marketplace. They're now relying on these folks to get you as the operator to get the product to the, to the customer quickly and easily. It is hard, which is why I think these, these verticals, and we'll talk about fair in just a second, We've only got a couple minutes left, Andy, so let's get to it. But I think they, they're the ones that they have to do it as an independent operation, I think. And then I think you'll see some distributors buying these folks over time as they get successful. But let's talk about. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not an add on. You can't just bolt it on the side of your business, your traditional business. I mean, like, you know, a lot of reasons for this. But like, for example, Granger set up Zorro as a separate company right. and they were smart to do that. It has to be more startup ishy. It has to be you know, more nimble. I think you're right. What's going to happen is traditional distributors and large companies are going to end up buying some of these right. companies that essentially these are just skunk works for them, but not every distributor is going to be able to afford to buy these companies. So 
right? Yeah, I think we're seeing a disruption here, but fair. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. What does fair do? Define fair. You want me to do it? Yeah, go ahead. So fair is an online market. It's one, it's one of these that is a product-based company, a marketplace. And what they do is they aggregate its assortment from suppliers and they sell them to these are it's in the home products and accessories category. So it's not sort of your traditional, you know, metals or industrial products or chemicals. It is a it is a you know, it's like the stuff sitting on my desk. Right. It's decorative accessories and plants and whatever, stuff like that. So it's um, they have aggregated in that industry. They have this diverse base of buyers, which are generally retail stores and specialty retailers, some distributors. And they, they historically have gone through sales reps, independent sales reps, distribution to buy product. FAIR came in and built a, a marketplace to allow the, the retailer buyer to buy from the suppliers. And really, they've cut out a lot of the middle of that, of that equation. And they're generating $150 million in GMV. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible what they've been able to build. And it's an example, I think, of a B2B marketplace that has succeeded in terms of at least GMV. So anyway, go ahead, Andy. Why don't you talk about well, the Weirdly enough, it's a five or six-year-old company that started in 2017, something like that, that yeah. is now being sued by another marketplace called Tundra uh -huh. for antitrust violations. I mean, how can a startup-ish kind of company be sued for Sherman Act like violations? But they're getting sued for that. And then funny enough. Uh, Ferris countersuing Tundra because they said Tundra was actually going into the into their marketplace and downloading pricing and inventory information for their own competitive purposes. So, you know, I was just going to say, you know, a, a market has arrived when companies start suing one another because, you know, and that's where we are. So we now have yep. these lawsuits flying back and forth. Obviously, Tundra actually shut down. They couldn't compete, um, but they're hoping to win the lawsuit to give them new life. But FAIR is kind of here to stay, and they found that inefficiency in the marketplace and turned it into a multi-hundred million dollar business. But I know we're almost done here. So we did a LinkedIn poll about this, and we asked you, the audience, what you thought. And you said, will most B2B product categories be disrupted by vertical marketplaces? Pretty overwhelming, Brian. 81% said, yes, most will be disrupted by vertical marketplace. I'd say that's a pretty damn big deal. That I didn't expect those numbers. You? Well, I think it speaks to the the inefficiency that people see in the way that doing business today, you know, I mean, look, let's be honest here. Um, you know, distributors, particularly a lot of the mid-market has left the door open for a better customer experience, a better buyer experience, and the marketplaces are filling it in some cases. So I think, you know, I, I agree that there's there's it's ripe for disruption. I think we will see growth. I don't think we'll see it necessarily everywhere, though, Andy, in terms of marketplaces. I think certain categories will be harder to to capture this in but yeah i mean the door's open you know so the marketplaces are filling it and that's yeah, that was always amazon's story bezos famously said your margin is my opportunity <laughs> right so there you go well, anyway this is, that, this is that writ large for sure i mean yeah. it's exactly what these vertical guys are doing they're taking margin and turning it into their opportunity other companies could do it they didn't for whatever reason uh, and there'll be some complementary nature of it, but there's going to be some competitive stuff here. So I know we got to close here, but uh, we didn't talk about this last time and we should. Oh, yeah, um, sure. For those of you who are manufacturers or distributors who are joining today, we have something called the Master B2B Forum, which is a invite-only community uh, where there's no selling allowed, no vendors allowed, no consultants allowed. It is strictly practitioners. And uh, I think we're up to, I just took a snapshot, 313 members at this yeah. point. 
So if you are a brand, a, a manufacturer, distributor working on the digital side, and you want to be a part of this community, people go in there and post things like I'm looking for a PIM suggestion. Right. Somebody provided them a whole analysis they'd done. Uh, it ranges from that to, you know, people post questions like uh, we're trying to hire somebody, any thoughts, but Brian, what, what have you seen as the big value? Oh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's also things like, you know, people networking for um, positions or suggesting <clears throat> people are looking for jobs or, you know, looking to fill a job. That's it's a place where you can network on that. AI has been a big topic here, Andy, you know, people trying to figure out how to use AI in their business. And there's some real interesting conversations that happen here. This is free to join. Uh, it's practitioners only. If you're interested in joining it, send us a note um, on LinkedIn or email us, Brian at Master B2B or Andy at Master B2B, and we can get you uh, get you signed up for this. Uh, this is this is a great a great forum, and we encourage you you all to <clears throat> to jump in and start participating with us. So, Andy, we do have to wrap. We're at, we're at the Friday twenty two here. We're talking too much, <laughs> uh, but thank you all for joining. We had a nice group today join us. Um, uh, we'll be back on next Friday at 9 a.m. Well, we may not be on next Friday. We'll see. We're not? Why? Aren't you going to be traveling next Friday? No, no, no. no. I'll, I'll be dialing in from, from, from Atlanta. Oh, so. excellent. Okay, yeah, we're, we're, doing we're doing it. We might get you at uh, Atlanta International Airport. No, I'll be at the hotel somewhere. Okay, great. Well, then we'll see. We are going to make time for Friday 15, Andy. Come on. That's right. right or 20 yeah. or 22 or whatever it is. Yeah, no question. All right, well, thanks all for joining us. We'll see you uh, next week on Friday.